Welcome to Day 2 Cloud. A modern networking problem most of us are facing is guaranteeing quality of experience for our users. The users are connected via networks we don't own, and the apps are hosted on networks we don't own. And in fact, the entire client-server and machine-to-machine transactions can and often do happen across networks we didn't design and we have no control over. Hey, welcome to the cloud era. So what can a network operations team do about quality of experience in a world where cloud-hosted apps and cloud-connected users are the norm? And to help us answer that question are Jeremy Rossback and Alec Pinkham, both with the sponsor of today's episode, Broadcom Software. To you, welcome to Day 2 Cloud. And to Jeremy, I want to hand the first question off to you because I said I said Broadcom Software there, and I think there's maybe an audience of folks who think of Broadcom and they think of chips and they think that's all Broadcom does is make chips. But in fact, there are a lot more lines of business under the Broadcom brand, right? You know, the days of, you know, racking and stacking and configuring a router and six months later, maybe something breaks and you deal with it then are long gone. You know, the set it and forget it days. When I was a network engineer and a network architect, in my former career, um, for the first 15, first 15 years out of college, that's what we did. You know, we set up stuff and and wait for it to break. Um, the problem is, is that uh, nothing is static ever, anymore. Everything is growing and shrinking depending on user demand. And um, within the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic, um, the network is in the spotlight because um, the user experience is anywhere and everywhere. Businesses are being graded on how they deliver the user experience. And how do you deliver the user experience? You deliver it via a network. So um, with the acquisition of AppNeta uh, earlier this year, uh, we are now able to um, ingest and route user experience metrics that are collected into our network operation center's operation portal. Um, via the NetOps solution here at Broadcom. So we truly believe that in order to build and and assure resilient network delivery, you have to know what the user experience is all about. Well, and I think the main part there that Jeremy is alluding to is AppNeta, and that's where I'm coming from, is always focused on the end user perspective. And I think because we've been focused on devices for so long and setting everything, you know, even going to the cloud, you know, we're focused on, you know, what is the, what are the metrics coming out of the cloud? What are the metrics coming out of our data centers? But we're not actually looking at the end user experience and and the end result of all of that work. And so a lot of the customers that came to us with problems seeing into the cloud, we're focused on. I don't even know what normal looks like for my users anymore, right? They, they don't know what performance looked like because we've put so many complex networking technologies as well as just more physical or logical distance between apps and users that they lost track of what the user experience was. And so when that ticket comes in to say, I'm having a poor experience, they had to start from ground zero every time. And so right. IT spent way too much time. Let me push back and ask a deeply cynical question, because isn't part of the point of cloud to pass operational responsibility off to someone else? So from that perspective, especially when it is made up of a bunch of networks we don't own, why do I really have to care about user experience? At the end of the day, IT is still going to be blamed anytime there's a performance issue. Like, you know, I'm going to throw a cynical answer back at you. No matter what, it's still the network team's fault. It's still NetOps' fault. It's still IT's fault. Uh, anything to do with technology is now falling at the feet of IT. 
And so, yeah, you, you can put a lot of workloads in the cloud. You can put a lot of apps in the cloud, but at the end of the day, if someone's having an issue with it, you're going to have to troubleshoot it. So whether or not you own the infrastructure or not, you have to understand it and you have to have visibility into it. And that's really the focus of experience driven NetOps is getting that visibility back and getting that end user perspective so that you can solve those problems, maybe not even efficiently, but faster than you could if you had no visibility. Well, you're hitting on something important there, right? So the deeply cynical part comes in. Sure, I've handed off my network to these other network operators. I ride my data across their network and can't really control. Used to be back in the day, I was gathering SNMP stats off of a router. And if something was going bad, I knew there was the data, there was the device I could log into and make some sort of a change. I need to upgrade bandwidth. I need to fix this flapping interface, whatever the problem was. Now I can't do that but I still need to know about user experience and data so that I can pinpoint where the problem might be and begin to work with the people that can fix the problem, if nothing else. Yeah, and we've had so many IT customers come to us and say, hey, I wasn't able to get the ISP or the transit to like actually admit that there was a problem, but magically it fixed itself once we told them exactly where the problem was, right? We told them the exact IP address or the exact part of the peering, uh, you know, exchange that was the problem. And then, you know, somehow it got fixed, right? Like that's the kind of thing we're trying to help alleviate is you may not be able to fix it yourself, but if you can give the data to the person who can fix it, you've got a better chance than you did before. Yeah, that problem resolution has happened so often, it should be templatable in your trouble ticket resolution. Magically fixed itself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I always used to get that when I would, someone would call me over or whatever to the problem they were having. And as soon as I walked into the room, it would just magically stop. And they, they would blame it on my aura, like something about my aura, just wandering into the room, magically fixed the problem. And it was like, no, you probably rebooted in the meantime or something along those lines or whatever weird thing was happening in the network stopped for the moment and will come back later. Well, and, and I don't want to take this on a tangent, but that has compounded with work from home, work from anywhere as people are moving about their house during the day, right? They're changing how they're actually, you know, connecting if they're wired versus wireless. You know, if you're on a call with IT, you're going to probably wired up and you're at your desk and you're making your best effort for a connectivity. But the problem you complained about was a Zoom meeting you took from the back deck this morning, which was, you know, an access point through the chimney. So yeah, your performance was crap. Like, I think that's what we're dealing with is we're dealing with the idea that not only does IT have to solve that problem, but we've now compounded how many different problems could happen because we're using residential infrastructure that IT, again, doesn't own. Right. And the key there is, one, being able to track that uh, the logs and what happened with that end user device and have the context to say, I, I, you know, I have some telemetry here of your wireless signal five hours ago and your wireless signal now, and they are vastly different. What was different about you during that time? Just knowing to ask that question will get you a long way down the line. That's all like whenever I did remote troubleshooting, when I was back on help desk way back in the day, you couldn't assume anything about what that end user was up to because they got up to some weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'll say um, real quick, and we've been saying this lately is, uh, you know, nowadays, IT is responsible for the entire user experience, whether they own the infrastructure or not. And I think what we're trying to do is help IT become more confident about being responsible for that entire user experience. We're not going to say you're going to be able to fix everything in it, but you're going to have a lot more evidence 
to be more confident in triaging it. So how much can I actually impact network performance of cloud-hosted applications? We, measurements are one thing, but what, what, what actually is my ability to, to affect change? Is it merely what we've been alluding to here, pinpointing it and then you know, yelling at people and by magic it goes away? Is that the best we can do? Sometimes that's going to be the only thing you can do, but I think we also have to realize that IT has, you know, this incredible kind of opportunity to impact the technology that's being used, right? One of the biggest transformations that we've seen is obviously implementing something like SD-WAN, implementing some change in the connectivity. And I think, you know, when you think about it cynically and say like, oh, well, all we can do is tell someone else where the problem is. There's also the, the idea that, hey, we can start picking technologies that kind of give us more control over this, right? If we're using SD-WAN to figure out we can, you know, use better policies, we can, we can work on, you know, how we're connecting users to applications. I think, you know, the first problem we saw, you know, way back in the beginning of the pandemic was VPN concentrators immediately got overloaded, right? With, with way more users from home, everyone had to upgrade their VPN concentrators. It was like a mantra. Everyone we talked to was updating their VPN infrastructure. And then they realized, oh, well, we have split tunneling. We have all these cloud apps that we can just have them go direct to, right? There's all these other types of ways that we can use the connection uh, for the user's benefit. And I think for a while it's been focusing on, you know, solving a very specific problem. And I think when you use the user experience lens, you can spend a little more time thinking, you know, longer term. And I think IT has kind of gained that credibility over solving some of the pandemic related issues of like, oh yeah, no, we, we moved a company, you know, remote overnight. Yeah. I think we've earned some credibility to maybe select the next technology that's going to make this better for everyone. So yes, in some ways, sometimes all you're going to be able to do is tell the, the right person, the right amount of, you know, metrics and data, but there's also the kind of the, the longer view of this where you can start taking control of the technologies that are that are connecting the users. Yeah, it's not just about solving the immediate problem. And so often engineers fall into that trap. If if if, if it ain't broke, then I can work on the project and 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 call me if there's a problem and you get a ticket in your queue and then you work on the problem. But in fact, the data that you're gathering to measure user experience can inform you about trends, uh, do that capacity planning job that uh, that can be easy to overlook until you really need more bandwidth, uh, et cetera. Um, and so user experience data then, again, not just for troubleshooting, but to figure out what's going on in the future and be out in front of it, telling the business as they're doing budget planning, okay, for next year, we're gonna need, you know, whatever it is, we're gonna need more cloud points of presence, we're gonna need more direct connect circuits, we're gonna need whatever it is that we're gonna need to be able to sustain user experience and perhaps even uh, improve user experience. Hey, it's not bad today, but we could make it even better if we did these things. And I think this is a great time for IT to actually talk to the business about what they're doing. I think specifically around things like hybrid work, they're making these decisions without IT in mind. A lot of the time they're saying, okay, well, employees are demanding that they have, you know, three days in the office and two days at home. All right. Is your network infrastructure actually prepared for that? Right. Are, are, are all those FTP servers that you have ready for, you know, the influx of connections or, or do you need to move those? Right. Do you need to rethink that part? And I think IT can use this, as a way to get in the door to say, hey, consult us, let's talk about this and make sure that it's viable. Yeah, that brings up, when you talked about moving too, that brings up a lot of the um, 
the possibilities around edge computing and edge networking. So can we get more utilization, uh, more data if we move some of this infrastructure to the edge instead of in the core of the data center? So the possibilities are endless when you just have more data and more insights to make more intelligent decisions. When, when you increase the amount of data that people have access to, that leads to a new problem, mm. which is now I have access to all of this data, an ocean, uh, a swamp, sometimes I've heard it called, you know, instead of a data lake. Now, so you also have to give them the necessary tools to go through the proper analysis of that information and actually look for stuff that's actionable. So how do I avoid being just completely overwhelmed by the amount of monitoring data that you're giving me? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Um, and the last thing we want to do is, is collect all this data and then just you know, visualize it and 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 dump it in front of our IT engineers. Um, the special thing we've been do doing over the last uh, few decades is to um, correlate that data, clean that data, uh, and only surface what's relevant or what we feel through you know our patented algorithms and a lot of the innovation we've done over the last few years. Uh, surface what we believe is important. For example. Um, you know, you have a switch that goes down and everything connected to it. Let's say there's 10 servers and 10 wireless access points uh, connected to that switch. Well, do you really need to see every single down event for all those devices connected to that switch? No, you don't. What's important is getting that switch back up and running. So we're just going to surface information to our customers uh, uh, like this switch is down. We're going to suppress everything else behind it. And, you know, let's say this switch has been alarming 1,700 times every minute. We're just going to show you one alarm, suppress the rest, and obviously make it a high priority. And it's just one example of collecting a lot of data, but only surfacing what matters and what's important and what we believe operations should be focused on. You're highlighting a tool that's got some context awareness. Maybe it's done via a graph. There may be a graph that knows how all every knows that what's downstream is going to be affected by this one upstream device, and so therefore we're going to surface the you know the key, the crux device there. So as opposed to say some intrusion detection, intrusion prevention devices, where they just get flooded with alarms and other than maybe like a grade of color it'll give you to tell you how severe that particular alert is, they're almost contextless. You, you barely have any sense of how important or unimportant that is. Yep. So you're highlighting, you need a tool that's gonna to do some analysis for you and present you data that is actionable. Yep. Yeah, and we, you know, we call that uh, topology-based noise reduction. So um, not only do we understand relationships and dependencies of network infrastructure, um, of course, we can suppress events and do event correlation, suppress um, a lot of the noise. We also understand the business impact of that down device um, and, you know, grade it, uh, you know, depending on um, the rules that you set within the solution. So we can help our, our customers understand the business impact how many times this, this down alarm has been occurring, but only show you one of those alarms and its severity, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, like you've mentioned, the system can learn over time as you continue to tweak it and uh, as um, you continue to give it care and, and, and using its algorithms built in. You, you just mentioned learning, and I definitely want to put a pin in that and, and come back to it. Uh, but the, the other thing that I want to ask you about is, 
to what degree is that context intuited by the system itself? And to what degree does it rely on external folks to te- to give it that context, especially with the business portion of things? Because I got to imagine that's not something you can just figure out on its own. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, you know, this topology-based noise reduction that I mentioned definitely comes with patented innovation that it's had over the last few decades, especially around alarm noise reduction, event correlation, um, the learning it does of this device is connected to this device and its relationships and its dependencies. But yeah, I mean, is a Cisco, you know, 6500 switch, um, is our system going to know that it's related to this shopping experience critical app for this? No, it's not. But if you give it the care it's needed to build, you know, uh, a, a business um, uh, business service dashboard and you help the system understand that these network devices are related to this business service or these business services, um, the the uh, the system will uh, understand exactly the business impact of a down issue with that specific device or interface, et cetera. Okay, so it's extensible in that sense that I, I have to provide it some information, but then now it can take that information and actually make it useful within you know a dashboard or or the monitoring tool. Exactly. Yeah, and one of the things that we're pushing towards is also using using the data that we have either through things like wisdom in the crowd or kind of pulling stuff together to understand what the baseline for performance should be, um, not only internally uh, for networks but also externally for applications. And, and then look at, you know, standard deviations and, and kind of understand when it's trending in the wrong direction, right? Before it actually gets to be, you know, bad performance or frustrating performance, uh, there are a bunch of different, like, levels of that. If you go back to, like, app decks for applications and stuff, there's, you know, tolerating, you know, frustrating, all that. <laughs> but we're, we're looking at trying to understand that programmatically over across customers. And I think what's interesting about that is then you can key in on business critical applications, which one we're on right now, like using things like Zoom, WebEx, Teams to understand that that is a critical app for most companies Mm -hmm. because it is communication, it's collaboration. And and focusing on those first means that we can show, you know, when those are trending in the wrong direction. And I think the, the other point there is that we're doing this from the end user perspective as well as the device perspective. So we're not just giving you a general hey, Teams has an outage, but it doesn't actually impact your users, right? Understanding if it actually impacts your users is one of the biggest things about those applications that you want to match. Like you don't want to just find out that, you know, Comcast has an outage somewhere. You want to know that your users are impacted by that outage. And I think that's where we're starting to to push the envelope and make sure that, you know, we're not just giving IT all of this noise. We're, we're giving them something that they know not only that there is an issue, but it affects users in their organization. And I want to say one more thing, because um, Alec brought up a really good point. Um, um, there are, uh, you know, we, we know for years that, you know, we spend a, a, too much time troubleshooting, triaging, looking for the network needle in the haystack uh, just to begin troubleshooting or finding the the source. So, you know, we have customers that have gone from hundreds of thousands of events or alarms today down just to a few dozen. I won't mention any names, but some of the largest telecommunication companies in North America have millions of events and alarms a day that have been reduced um, uh, with our solution to maybe a few hundred. Um, Just imagine the response time improvements by just that type of innovation right there. Then you add user experience metrics to device up-down issues, device capacity predictions. 
um, on any network anywhere, like uh, Alec mentioned in ISP networks and cloud networks. I mean, there's not a place a packet can hide now that we, you know, we can't help you gain visibility into. Um, really, really exciting stuff now. So, you know, the ability to take, you know, in, improving knock triage and troubleshooting times and, you know, giving engineers and architects granular details into flow and jitter and packet loss, that's great for up-down issues on an interface. But when you add end-user experience metrics into networks, you're not a god of, um, you know, it's a game changer for our, our customers today. Right, right. Reducing that signal to noise uh, relationship is, is huge. I know as someone who has been on ops teams before, you get used to ignoring like 95% of alarms because they go off every day and they don't mean anything. And I don't have time to filter it all out. Now, you mentioned learning like way back five minutes ago or something. I want to come back to that now because I'm curious to what degree your solution is making, uh, uh, availing itself of something like machine learning. You haven't used the word AI or ML at all. And, and maybe that was because you didn't want to, because that's become kind of a, a, a marketing label at this point more than a thing. But I'm curious to what degree your solution is using something akin to that. Yeah, um, and I, you know, I will say we have a a space in the AI op space with Broadcom software. I, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of it today, but um, you know, our uh, fault management solution within the NetOps uh, platform has been doing, you know, I don't want to say it's rudimentary, but it's algorithmic learning of event correlation and uh, and again alarm noise reduction. Um, the ability to understand configuration changes from before and after, you know, we all know, uh, was it Amazon or maybe it was Google last fall where somebody fat fingered a configuration on a network device and hell, I've done it more than I'd like to admit and brought down a network in the middle of the day. But being able to understand those changes, pinpoint those changes in the line, in the syntax of that router config, just a few examples um, of that. And then, you know, what we've been doing over the last few years inside the AI and ML um, space um, across applications, infrastructures, and network with our cloud-based and SaaS-based AI solution to just, you know, you mentioned all this data to, to help what isn't humanly possible today to take and analyze um, and utilize all this data in a easy to understand format that has predictions and insights um, and capabilities across app infra network and the user experience, you know, because there's just too much data. There's just too much data. So, and, you know, it's all plug and plug and play. If a customer wants to, is, is there yet to utilize some of that advanced innovation around AI, you know, we happily be able to help them support any use case out there. But, you know, from a network monitoring standpoint, a lot of customers we talk to, they're just ready for that alarm noise reduction right now, for that event correlation, some some smaller capacity predictions. They're not ready to jump into the AI deep end of the pool yet. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's a lot of different components of the the products that kind of tow that line or, or step over it, depending on where you are. And I think it it's very easy to call a lot of it AI, but sometimes it's pattern recognition. Sometimes it's expert systems that you know have have that kind of uh, feel. But I think the term has kind of grown into itself and, and become this, this huge kind of uh, panacea or catch all of like, that's, 
that's where everything's going. And, you know, sometimes you just want to know what is it actually doing, right? You know, what, what are we actually uh, doing? And sometimes it's recognizing patterns in the tons of data that we already have to make your life a little bit easier. And, and sometimes that's all you really need to solve, uh, you know, something in, you know, 10 minutes instead of two hours. Right. And I think that's, that's where we're all trying to get to is that efficiency level. Well, speaking of too much data that we need to parse through, how do I do measurements? That is, where do I place probes? What should my targets be? Um, and uh, th that comes from the idea of, uh, I got a lot of hosts out there. I got a lot of things I could be looking at. I could be looking at paths. I could be looking at applications. I could be looking at a whole lot of things. So give us a, a baseline of how to actually do measuring. Yeah, I, I think for, for any organization, it starts with some kind of proof of concept where you're selecting specific apps, specific users, specific regions to kind of focus on uh, to understand, you know, how do you need to set up this kind of system? What what are you going to get out from the value perspective? And I, I think what we typically recommend is some kind of mesh between offices or locations that users work, and that can be you know, work from home environments that can be work from anywhere, just instrumenting an agent on a laptop, things like that. Uh, and then focusing on either targeting out to things like cloud SaaS apps or putting uh, a, an agent or a, what we call a monitoring point within the cloud infrastructure that's hosting your applications today. So, but, th uh, but that sounds often, like your, your, your endpoint focused then Alec, is that fair to say? I would say, yeah, I would say, we're focused on ensuring that those endpoints have monitoring from it. So AppNeta specifically is active monitoring. We're sending out tests over the network. And so in order to do that, we need to be where the user is or where, uh, where the kind of traffic is originating. And so we're doing kind of a source to target type monitoring. Now with that same methodology, you can do a dual ended test. If you have agents or monitoring points on either side, so you can understand that discrepancy between upload download. Right. And then that's a very common one specifically when you have longer, you know, network transits um, well, so if you uh, have good i'm making a distinction because if you're endpoint focused that is distinct from different monitoring solutions that kind of sit in the middle and work off of a span port and just gather data or absorb netflow rectors there's some kind of a flow collector and they make inferences about network performance that way uh, endpoint is more more real in the sense of it's actually looking at the path and pushing uh, I'm making a few assumptions here about how you guys do what you do, but make uh, but pushing test transactions through the same path that the actual production traffic is going through, so that you have more or less your your measurement is hands on with exactly what the user experience is, as opposed to sitting off to the side and kind of observing packets going by and doing time measurements uh, in between packets and responses and kind of inferring what the user experience is. Well, and the, and the best part about it is we're we're doing both, right? You can you can have the best of both worlds depending on where you can deploy. Right. You can't always deploy the span port at a user's home. Right. They're not going to have the infrastructure that allows you to look at that packet. So you're going to have to put it in a central location. So, sure, we're going to do the flow monitoring from that central location, uh, be it, you know, web proxy through Symantec or, uh, you know, at the end of a VPN tunnel. But I think what what we're focused on on the app data side and the active testing side is that endpoint focus, that edge focus, where we're we're testing from the outside. You know, we're using everything from packet drain dispersion to synthetic transaction monitoring to focus on apps and networks and understand 
the performance from that endpoint, but we're combining that with the data that we're getting from flow records where, you know, we're running them through, you know, a DPI engine, figuring out what apps are actually being run. And we're combining it with the, the fault performance and flow from the DX NetOps side to actually tell that whole story from the traffic perspective and that centralized perspective, but also get the user context and the end user perspective. So it's kind of a combination of both. And it depends on, you know, where you're able to deploy and what you're able to do. You know, we can be pretty flexible in that way. That sort of gets back to the the central problem of, hey, everybody works remotely now. <laughs> so you're not going to have, you're, oftentimes you're not going to have that central office that everybody's going to, and they're going to have a switch that has the span port and you're good to go. No, they're going to be working from home. They're going to be working from a coffee shop, you know, wherever that is. So having AppNet and being able to follow them, I assume, and, and sort of track the user experience as they physically move through the world seems like kind of important <laughs> if you want to at least help them um we certainly hope so now some of the applications they're using you might own you know pretty much end to end maybe it's a, an app that you run internally you built internally but they're also going to be using a bunch of you know SaaS applications that you don't have another endpoint in so are do you have any recommendations or special tips around measuring performance and issues when you're talking to public cloud SaaS type applications Certainly. I, I think the, the biggest recommendation I can do is understand what performance looks like um, by doing these tests you know, before and after large transformations. I think one of the things that we've seen is that you know, SD-WAN being the craze over the past couple of years, people put that in and then all of a sudden users complain that something's slow, but IT just has the after state. They don't actually know what performance was before. Uh, and so we're always trying to push people to, hey, test, you know, underlay and overlay, test and compare, understand what your technologies in the middle mile or kind of in between user and application are doing to the performance. Now, there's going to be trade-offs, right? If you're implementing, you know, WPS, WSS, something, uh, you know, from, from Symantec for security reasons, yeah, you, you do want to have a little bit of a trade-off. We want the security. We don't want to, you know, destroy performance, but we also definitely need that security. And so there's a little bit of that uh, going on. But I think the other part that we focus on with our active testing is just to test continuously because networks are so dynamic, especially when you're going out to the public cloud, that you're not only changing the path that you take from user to application every few minutes, but you could also be targeting a different instance of that application, right? If you go to Google now versus five minutes from now, you're not gonna get the same server. And so understanding when performance was bad and what endpoint you were targeting at that time can be really helpful in troubleshooting when you find out that, oh, you know, when you go through one out of the three load balancers, that's when you have the problem. Right. Oh, we can now look at the infrastructure of that load balancer to say, hey, that's the one that's actually causing the problem. We see the same thing with DNS servers. You've got a cluster of DNS servers. One of them is performing poorly, but the other ones are masking it because it's always, you know, first response. And so understanding all of the responses of all the different uh, DNS servers over time, you can kind of pinpoint those periodic problems that are really tough to find otherwise. And so hey, consistent and constant. Permission to nerd out, Alec. Uh, I, I want to know it. how in detail you guys actually get that sort of granularity. It used to be we had trace route and reverse DNS, and that was kind of the best we had. And so there was a lot of things we just didn't know. 
uh, and couldn't see. But you're describing the ability to do very fine-grained uh, understanding of uh, ECMP and load-balanced applications and Anycast and so on. How, how are you doing that? Yeah, so, you know, trace route is still going to be used. We're still using that for route determination, find out, you know, what you're using. But now we're making sure that we're doing TCP, ICMP, and UDP, right? Depending on the type of traffic, be it application or video traffic, right? We want to make sure we connect both of those because different networks we're going to traverse are going to treat those differently. Uh, and then we're going to use packet train dispersion. So what we're doing here is we're actually bundling a set of packets that are small and large, right? Data and voice type packets. And we're, we're putting them in a specific order and we're understanding how those are basically traversing the network by either, if it's a single ended path where we don't own the other end, we're, we're gonna have to use ICMP and we're looking at the echo mode request or basically the echo response from those and looking for packet reordering, spacing, uh, you know, for jitter type purposes. We're looking at loss, we're looking at the latency, with the single ended side, you know, we're going to get that two-way latency. When we have AppNetas devices or virtual devices on both ends, then we get a little bit more granular. We're actually using UDP for that type of testing because we don't actually need to send the traffic both ways uh, when we when we go from source to target. Let's say we don't need to get the response back to the source. The target can just beam that back up to the cloud. Uh, for uh, AppNet as service. So we understand what was sent, what was received, and we can look at things like reordering, spacing, all of that kind of packet information. And, and I'm um, assuming but, if you keep it all within AppNet probes and sending it up to an AppNet cloud you know, data aggregator that's pulling it all in, you could put your own special metadata embedded in the response packets and such? Yeah. So there's a lot of little like tweaks you can do to make sure that, you know, you're representing your traffic as best as possible with this continuous test. Um, but the, the best part about that kind of system is that because we're doing this every minute, right. For every path that we're monitoring, we're doing, we're sending, you know, it's probably less than 50 packets per minute for each one of these applications to be monitored when we detect an issue with any of the metrics that we're collecting, so latency loss, jitter, voice specific, you know, jitter and loss, things like that, um, we're going to automatically escalate the amount of traffic uh, to confirm the issue, to avoid things like false flags and, and kind of red herrings where all of a sudden it says, hey, we had this, you know, really bad performance for one test and then it went away. It's like, you could be caught in a route change. You could be caught in, you know, something that's, you know, pretty dynamic across the, the public internet. And so we're going to always confirm the issue. And if we do that, then we're going to test hop by hop, every single layer two hop between the user and the application. And we're going to gather that same amount of data and then throw it into our expert system for pattern recognition and, and, and kind of identify exactly where the metrics change. So, oh, you can look at your internal IP addresses and your private networks. Everything was good. You got to your ISP's door and boom, loss spiked. Right. Yeah, and you can, can understand exactly where in the path things went wrong. And when you do that consistently and over time, you start to build a picture of where the different boundary lines are and where issues are starting to happen. And so we can kind of build that picture over time and allow IT to really figure out exactly where things are kind of diving. Well, we've been pretty focused on the middle mile here, but what about the most common scenario, which is the user's home Wi-Fi sucks? How do we deal with that problem? You can detect that with an agent, maybe? 
Yeah. So any agent on uh, the machines that we're instrumenting are going to have uh, wireless connectivity statistics as well as uh, host metrics. So things like top processes uh, that are going wrong. So you can see CPU and, and, and that kind of spike. Um, but when we look at the um, the network statistics, what's really nice about looking at the uh, wireless specifically is one, you can see if they change SSID, uh, you can change it if they move around the house and get to a different access point, you can look at signal to noise, you can look at, you know, station count and things like that. If your access points actually uh, allow that depending on the, the version, right? You can identify what version they're on. Like, oh, that BGN router is not doing too well at your home because you have, you know, you're, you're taking your uh, calls in the basement and guess what? Like you're, you're on a, you know, pretty bad band for that. And I think that's the kind of uh, stuff that we can show so that IT can check those boxes without ever having to trust the user to tell them what's actually right on their network. Cause you know, most of the users we talk to wouldn't know what band slash what brand their wireless router is right. Understanding that kind of thing without having to rely on a pretty unreliable source uh, has been really helpful making me laugh because I'm just thinking about all the times I've had to do uh, wireless troubleshooting with my father-in-law over the phone and talk about an unreliable end user. Uh, He he doesn't know what any of this stuff is and there's no reason he should, you know, (laughs) but why don't I have your solution so that I can just be like, oh, here's what the problem is. Let's just change the band and oh, look, everything works perfect now because you're not colliding with your neighbor or whatever. Uh, That'd be really nice. Well, Ned, I'll one up you. My my parents' neighbors have my cell phone number for that exact reason. <laughs> well, I can tell a funny story. I was recently at uh, the Onug Spring Conference in uh, New Jersey, and uh, I, I have AppNeta uh, on my laptop. And as I was giving AppNeta demos and and NetOps demos. Um, it just wasn't as solid as I would have liked it to be. So I pulled up my AppNeta and looked at my latency right from my laptop going out through the Onug wireless. And we all know who, how wireless is at a convention. And I was able to get them to make some tweaks so my demos wouldn't be so lagging. And, I, and it's what AppNeta told me about my user experience at the Onug conference from my laptop. Yeah. About that. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I have to ask this question. And uh, the the guys from the IPv6 Buzz podcast would, would kill me if I didn't. But um, sometimes IPv6 performs a little bit differently than IPv4. So how well does your solution integrate with all the IPv6 stuff that's happening, uh, especially in the larger networking environment that you're in? Yeah, um, great question. And we... Um I'm glad you brought up the larger networks. We we do support, uh, I believe, the largest networks out there today from the telecommunication providers in North America and in EMEA. So, you know, we're talking a half a million physical devices, you know, at least four or five million interfaces. The numbers are staggering. Um, but uh, since we've been doing this for, you know, many decades now, especially in the fault network management space, um, we don't have a problem and haven't had a problem when it comes to fault and performance monitoring in IPv6. Uh, we've definitely had to overcome some challenges when it comes to flow monitoring, but we have been able to overcome those. Uh, and um, we haven't run into anything yet when it comes to software-defined monitoring uh, across the various uh, vendor landscapes and there's technologies, SD-WAN, SDDC. 
So, you know, I'd say flow was a bit of a challenge, but we were able to get past it. And the rest has been kind of a cakewalk. We focused a lot on network transport itself, getting through switches and routers and cables and so on. But network transport isn't always the problem. Slow DNS responses or a laggy database is increasing transaction time. So can I use the experience modern we've been talking about here to disambiguate between network transport and something that's higher up the stack? Yeah, so with synthetic transaction monitoring or, or testing, you can definitely change uh, the view a little bit to, to include things like DNS monitoring, to include things like server response, uh, browser render, things like that. Uh, we have uh, uh, Chrome running in our monitoring points for exactly this reason, so you can understand every part of the application, I think. Specifically around the DNS, we've always believed that you shouldn't just look at the fastest response. Understanding, you know, the fastest response is, is a quick way to understand that you know things are peachy, and and the problem is that it's not always uh, that uh, being the problem. And so we support multiple DNS servers. You can throw in as many DNS servers you as you want on any application, so you can cover if you have redundant setups or backups. Uh, that are that are being used. So if you're using like quad eight, quad nine, something like that, uh, we have those in the background. But when it comes to the actual application, one of the great parts about synthetic transaction monitoring and what we can do is we can go down to the resources. We can look at resource load, put waterfall charts in front of you, take screenshots on errors uh, to understand what did the screen actually look like when the problem occurred. And, and I think that's been shown to be very helpful at uh, isolating things like single sign-on issues or things where the front of an application is working fine, but the microservice backend isn't, right? You can log into Office 365, but I can't actually do anything in there or vice versa, which is potentially more common, is anyone who is already logged in is fine because they can still use the apps. They're authenticated and they can use Excel and they can use all these things. But anyone who happened to be logged out or got timed out can't log in because the actual authentication service is down. And I think that's one of the things that we're trying to eliminate with the app monitoring is understanding when all those different pieces don't quite line up or when there's an issue in one part of it. So we We'll actually break down our synthetic transactions with milestones to say, hey, you got through login and then you got to use all the, the different components of the app just to kind of cover those multi-page applications that, you know, are not, you know, single page anymore. Well, that, that, that's kind of a big deal because sometimes you, the problem, you're looking external thinking there's some third party that you need to tag to fix the problem when in fact it's your dev team that just released something new and all of a sudden authentication is falling over, something like that. So that, that's that, that's crucial to have that ability, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, and it, it comes back to, you know, our favorite phrase, which is mean time to innocence. How, how long does it take you to prove it's not you? Right. It, you know, it happens so often where, you know, the network team gets blamed for something because performance is slow. And we just assume because apps are resilient these days and are generally up that the app is fine. But it's not always the case, especially if you're developing your own. But I think even in the, the largest cloud apps, we've seen this. This happened time to time where things go down and you have to be able to understand where it's breaking down and where performance is dropping. Well, we have covered a lot of ground today. So if you could pick three highlights from the conversation that we've had here, uh, what, what would those be? Yeah, um, you know, I think we really need to accept the new reality. The fact that, you know, network traffic today is not within the four walls of the data center anymore. We just have to accept it. <laughs> 
you know, I, I seriously doubt the four of us are going through a data center at the moment to do what we're doing right now. Uh, the user experience is on the internet, it's in cloud, it's in SaaS. Um, so, you know, because of that, we want to help our customers improve that visibility outside of the four walls of the data center. And over these uh, networks, we call them managed and or unmanaged networks, so they can pinpoint and find the root, root cause. Again, maybe not fix it all the time, but it sure as hell improve their mean time uh, to innocence, mean time to isolation, mean time to repair, whatever you whatever you call it. Because um, without that visibility, like I said before, you're just looking through, you know, for a network needle in the haystack. And, you know, uh, you mentioned the largest networks. You know, I, I want our, our, our listeners to think about scale, uh, not even the, the size of networks today, but the fact that a modern solution should be able to scale in the amount of data it collects. But scale even talks about how um, that data is is cleaned and correlated and then visualized to the user. You know, the largest networks out there, they run reports on the top talkers of six million interfaces a week. Do you really want to wait for that report, you know, to run for this next six hours? You shouldn't have to wait. So scale, you know, really talks about um, how reporting is done in, in monitoring solutions. And, you know, finally, if you're going to improve your visibility uh, outside of the four walls of the data center over ISP and cloud networks to improve the user experience, you need user experience metrics and correlate those to, to network status up and down. So you can really, really triage and understand what is the impact of this router down to this business critical service. And, you know, that's for any of your users anywhere in the world on any device on any network. Well, Jeremy Rosbach and Alec Pinkham, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Alec, if people want to dig more into the Broadcom software portfolio, some of which we've been talking about today with some of what came up for the, in the world of NetOps and AppNeta and so on, where should they go? Yeah, of course they can go to broadcom.com, but if I want to be a little more specific to what we were talking about today, uh, enterprise-software.broadcom.com slash experience-driven-netops. Sorry for the mouthful. We're still a large organization. We're working on it. <laughs> Enterprise-software.broadcom.com. And the link to that and to experience-driven NetOps, that is going to be in the show notes, which you'll be able to find at day2cloud.io or packetpushers.net. And our thanks to sponsor Broadcom Software today for appearing on Day2Cloud podcast sponsorship. That is how we bring this show to you Every week, keeping you right up to date on what's happening with all things cloud and operations. And virtual high fives to you for tuning in, by the way, you awesome human. And if you have suggestions for future shows, vendors you want us to talk to, people that we should interview, topics you want us to cover, we want to hear all of your ideas. You can hit either of us up on Twitter. Ned and I both monitor at Day2CloudShow. Or if you're not a Twitter person, fill out the form on Ned's fancy website, nedinthecloud.com. And if you like engineering-oriented shows like this one, and I know you do, visit packetpushers.net slash subscribe. All of our podcasts, newsletters, and websites are there. It's just a page full of links so you can, whatever, however you consume your media, all the links are there to make it easy for you to find the stuff that we're publishing. It's all nerdy content designed for your professional career development. And until then, just remember, cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans. <laughs> 